Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Surga Deus disipentur inimici eius, et fugiacio deruntium a facia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. You know, it's interesting to see the way, you know, the way things have been going these last few months. Diane Feinstein passed away recently. And on the one hand, I pray for the repose of her soul. And on the other hand, I celebrate the fact that she's no longer on the table, which means they'll have to find some new way to use her as a puppet. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangle, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diabli est obra isidium. Imperatili Deus, supplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae caelestis, santana malios, que spiritus malignos, que ad perditionem animarum, verbagantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum de trude. Amen. Requiem eternum dona eis domine, lux perpetua luciat. Requiescat in pace. Coriesus Sacratissimum Miserere Nobis, Mater Dolorosa, Ora Pro Nobis. Beatus Carolus Dom Austriae, Ora Pro Nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculato Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. It's strange to consider, it very, it really actually is strange to consider, um, what happens when someone who has caused so much damage to your country is actually finally passed away. 
And I had a little bit of the same. I was much more ruthless when John McCain died. So I did literally dance when he died. <clears throat> I wasn't a Catholic yet. The, uh, the thing is, is these politicians, they, you look at them and you're like, dude, just retire. You're old, you're rich, go away. Why are you still here? And maybe Tucker Carlson has it right because he was he was giving a speech and he said uh, one of the ways that you can increase your bravery is you contemplate death. And being a Catholic, I understand the total truth of that. I mean, it's a whole thing in Catholicism, isn't it? Memento mori, tempus fugit. You know, time flies. Remember that you're going to die. Remember, mortal man, you too will die. And in the face of death, you know, it's much easier to kind of back up and be like, well, you know, we're all going to die anyway, so I get to choose the terms by which I live. And then you lock into something that you believe in and you move in that direction. And contemplating one's death is actually kind of important because at that point, you know, you can... Think about what it is, you know, how you'll be remembered by the people left on this earth. Or if you're smart, you'll think about what God will say to you when you die. And then you'll live your life in such a way that he says what you most want to hear from him when you die. And so that's why, like, devoted Catholics are not terribly afraid of getting arrested and they're not terribly afraid of going to prison and they're not terribly afraid of death. You know, that's how you get a 13-year-old boy who stands out in front of a firing squad and says, Viva Cristo Rey. Because how you die is connected to how you live. And so for all these politicians who die in office... And we've had a lot of them die in office. I mean, if you think about it, like I remember Ted Kennedy died in office and Lindsey Graham is going to probably die in office and Dianne Feinstein died in office and John McCain died in office and Mitch McConnell's probably going to die in office. And the thing is, and something else Tucker said that was actually rather profound um, is, you know, where he was growing up, like you could talk about all sorts of stuff, but what you could never talk about was death and the, pe- and the people who were in that circle where you could never say, well, you know, I mean, eventually everybody dies. Everybody who's afraid to talk about death, you know, if they let that go too far, they don't eventually contemplate their own demise. Then what will end up happening is they'll get very, very anxious and they'll, basically be terrified of everything and they'll turn into cowards. And I did not I did not think of this as a possible as a possibility, but it occurred to me that, you know, everybody that I knew that was a coward, and I've known two legitimate cowards who I wish I would have killed on the spot. Everybody that I knew who were, like, legitimate cowards, the moment you started talking about things that could endanger their lives, they got irrationally irrationally afraid. 
<clears throat> and I think to some degree that's what happens to politicians who die in office. They don't want to let go. I mean, Dianne Feinstein, the day before she died, still somehow managed to cast a vote in the Senate, which is wild. I don't know how she managed to pull that one off. I know that one's actually probably more scheming. But somebody posted something. I don't know who this guy is. Um, I know... I know he's a former infantryman. He's a former army infantryman. Which he and I can connect on. But he posted something about Dianne Feinstein, and he said, well, he said this. I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you. Why is anyone honoring Feinstein? She was one of the most corrupt politicians in America. She employed a Chinese spy for 20-plus years. She served as senator for 31 years, and what did she, she accomplish? Thank her for her service. She served no one but herself and her donors. Her net worth is $220 million that she stole from you. Not lying there via insider trading and money laundering. All the while, she allowed California and her district in San Francisco to turn into a drug-infested two... Now, <clears throat> we'll go with this. I've never heard... I honestly have never actually heard the whole acronym, so I don't even know if this is the whole acronym, but it's a lot longer than I thought. The 2SLGBTQIA+, Homeless Zombie Apocalypse. That's a lot of letters. What's going on there? Looks like It looks like a really bad algebra equation now. Anyway, when we talk about establishment politicians, she's at the top of the damn list. She's been a senator for 31 years, and under her watch, America has turned into an asshole. Not only did she let it happen, but her left-wing policies made it a possibility. Actually made it imminent, but whatever. Um, she played a significant role in destroying California and this nation with open border policies and woke insanity. So spare me with all the rest in peace. She was one of the main reasons we are in the position we are in today. She destroyed America, and I wish her no blessings whatever in whatever afterlife she, she faces. And before anyone says this is partisan, I feel the same way about McCain and any other deep state traitorous rat who bites the dust. Some of y'all don't hate establishment politicians enough, and it shows. Now, to this, I responded. And I'll be honest with you, I thought I was being clever. I still think I was clever. But you tell me. I said, this woman deserves prayers for the repose of her soul, because we all should want the same for ourselves, lest we too stand naked before our God in our day of judgment. It is tremendously unlikely that she experienced a deathbed conversion. However, it is also unmistakable that she was a puppet in her last days. The callousness with which she conducted herself as a senator from when she was first elected, and I was in California when she first took office, to her last days of coherence, which I put it about two years ago, is remarkable. Few women stand so firm in the face of clear evidence what they're doing resu results in pure evil the way she did, and she was only outshined in that by Nancy Pelosi. She and Barbara Boxer were proof that the Senate should have never been changed by the 17th Amendment, nor the country by the 19th. The 19th is the reason for no-fault divorce, abortion, the gay trans agenda, failing schools, and everything that has corroded our country from within. 
And the 17th is the reason we have endured nearly endless war for the last 100 years and have a security state the likes of which is the eternal envy of every totalitarian regime in history. It is also the reason most of us people, uh, most of these people are dying in office, which is a great argument for assassination since they won't leave of their own volition except in a casket. Mostly, Dianne Feinstein is one more argument against Republican and Democratic forms of government. People forget that the same conditions that kept her in office for seven terms, and mind you, 31 years means she was elected to seven terms in office. <clears throat> but the same conditions that kept her in office for seven terms are why the people crucified Jesus Christ and released Barabbas. The children of Satan recognize and defend their own like a Greek phalanx, not out of regard for one another, but in protection of their own interests. No elected leader is worthy of the position because they do not understand what it means to be a servant. They don't understand what an oath is, what it means for them, and their relationship to the people they serve. No politician is going to defenestrate themselves by doing what needs to be done to save America from destruction. Not Trump, not the Freedom Caucus or DeSantis at all. Debate is useless with these people. At this point, it doesn't matter whether we elect another round of establishment asshats or a populist, which, I mean, the security state will just murder anyway. We're not going to drag the hedge fund and big tech and big pharma or the Federal Reserve board members out to the guillotine. We're not going to tar, feather, and hang every agent of the three-letter agencies until dead. We're not going to take a flamethrower to every NGO. We're not going to abolish the U.S. government, all of which we would need to do to just begin to make things right. Not because we don't hate these people enough to do it, but because every single one of us fears what comes next. We don't have the virtues within us to not create a worse monstrosity than the one that is killing us and our children now. So we'll die this way, broke, immoral, and weak. Now, maybe we'll get a Franco or a Salazar to prolong the suffering, but more likely we'll get a Stalin or a Hitler because most of the so-called right wing are just as degenerate as anyone in a pride parade. Or, God could shorten the suffering for us by bringing Antichrist to power in 2026 and wrap this world up for eternity by 2033, a poetic ending 2,000 years after his resurrection. The pain would intensify dramatically beyond comprehension. Billions would be lost, and the living will, will envy the dead. But I got a feeling that's coming anyway, so why prolong it? Either way, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Rest in peace, Diane Feinstein. This is mostly your fault. Now... Some may argue that it's not fair to put this on Dianne Feinstein. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, I don't put it all on Dianne Feinstein. Dianne Feinstein is a symptom. She was a symptom in her life. And what's funny is, I mean, aside from the really sort of awful hairdo, when she first started going into politics, she was a very beautiful woman. And remarkably, she managed to keep the same hairdo pretty much her entire life all the way up until, you know, she croaked. The, the thing is, is that when I look at the picture of Dianne Feinstein in her much, when she was much younger, she was pretty much the epitome 
of the modern feminine feminist woman. You know, it's beautiful, nice smile. All business. And I was in, I was living in California um, as a young man, as a child, actually, when she was first elected to office. And she was first elected to office, what, let's see, if it was 31 years ago, then it would have been 92, maybe? Something like that. At the time, my my parents were not voters. And in California, I mean, she had, well, the suburban white woman support. I mean, she's a suburban white woman, very much. You look at her, she's very, I mean, she was the poster child. She was like a, could, she could have been Betty Crocker, for crying out loud. Like, I mean, she was the epitome. <clears throat> the thing is... People have this tendency, once you reject God, they'll say, okay, this seems like a good idea. Then things get worse. You know, well, we should probably look at this reform. And then they do that reform, and then crime goes up. And then rather than taking a moment and saying, hey, maybe we made a mistake, they go, well, we need to do more. And so they, and so they carry it further and further and further. And the Republicans in this country, conservatives, they go, what you just did doesn't work. Maybe we should go back. Well, we can't go back. Well, why not? And they never asked that question. Why can't we go back? They don't advocate for drawing back the retardation that got the problem in the first place. They just say, elect me and I'll put a stop to this. And they successfully put a stop to it for about a year or two. But the thing is, is that, you know, once you turn away from God, things will continually get worse. They'll get worse. All of the other ideas, because they're not anchored in truth, they're going to they're gonna cause more problems. And then they come back and they go, well, you didn't do this, that, and the other. And so we're going to go ahead and carry this. And so they come back. And this is how the pendulum, everybody thinks the pendulum swings right and left. No. <laughs> the engine is revved. And then someone takes their foot off the gas. How did we get here? Because we confused a pendulum swing with someone revving the engine and someone else applying the brake. Democrats were the accelerator. They were Thelma and Louise right off the freaking cliff. Almost accidentally dropped a F-bomb there. My bad. <laughs> Thelma and Louise right off the cliff. The Republicans are like, no, and they hit the brakes. At no point does somebody put the car in reverse. <coughs> Excuse me. And because, I'm sorry about that, I, met, I was trying to actually get to the pause button so that I could black that out, but that didn't work. <clears throat> but because at no point does anybody talk about putting the car in reverse, well, I got the pause button ready this time. We're not going back the other direction. This isn't a pendulum swing. This is accelerator, brake, and that is all. Nobody's putting the car in reverse. We should put the car in reverse and go back to what we know. You know, at some point, if it was a pendulum swing, we go left and right, and it's a lie, 
it seems like a pendulum swing, right? Because you got two parties, right? You got the left wing, you got the right wing. But nobody remembers that it was a right-wing person, supposed right-wing politician, that did the policies that Franklin Roosevelt started putting into place. They just did a slightly lighter version of it, and they had really bad timing because it was timed right when the economy was collapsing. And because of that, Roosevelt steps in, he takes over, and he doesn't he says because of their policies but he doesn't say what about their policies was messing anything up and so he gets involved now a good student of history would look at what fdr is proposing and say no because in 1919 this thing that happened in 1929 had happened before only it was worse and in 1919, what did the president do? Nothing. Calvin Coolidge did nothing. They said, hey, we need to try this. And he goes, no, that's not in the Constitution. And he vetoes it. And what did we get? We got an economic boom that prior to then had never been seen before. And then we had another collapse because... The people who were supposed to figure out, oh, hey, this was probably a bad idea the first time, said, well, just do more. And so the second time, boom, collapse. Only this time, instead, instead of a Calvin Coolidge, you got Franklin Roosevelt. And Roosevelt made it worse. We didn't... No one remembers the stock market crash of 1919. No one remembers that the economic collapse that happened in 1919 was worse than it was in 1929. Why? The Roaring Twenties. And the neocons, the neocons of today who were writing the history books of back then noted that in 1919, yeah, we had an economic collapse, but we just came back from the First World War, our boys were coming home, and kaboom! Economic extravaganza! And those same neocons, when FDR tanked the economy and made every dumbass Keynesian economic decision that you could make, and pushed us further and further towards socialism than we had ever been to prior to, because Prior to that, nobody had even heard of socialism. And for 11 years, screws over the country immensely. And so it ends up being not until December 7th, 1941, when he has a distraction enough to say, we're going to war, boys! And the neocons who wrote the history books... Note that World War II got us out of the Depression. And while they are correct that our fervor drove an economic machine, a, a construction, fabrication, manufacturing, export machine, that did in fact overcompensate for the disastrous 
economic policies of Franklin Roosevelt. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The war became the answer at that point. So we finish the Second World War and we have an economic boom. And of course we have an economic boom because the boys came home. There's more people to work the factories. We can actually do more because everybody is now home. The neocons take this to say that war is profitable. Okay. Not the answer I would have gone with. Maybe don't come up with a bunch of shoddy-ass, crappy programs. But of course, by this point, the boys have gone overseas. They've come back. They've forgotten that you could even undo those ridiculously dumb programs. They're not even worried about it. They come home. They're trying to go to work. The wives are like, hey, we just got done. Welcome home, baby. And boom, babies. Also necessary for feeding the economy. But what ends up happening? We get the Korean War. And in around the vicinity of the Korean War, one General Dwight D. Eisenhower makes mention of the fact that he's noticing that the people who are writing the history books are giving the power to the defense contractors. That the military is now credited with saving not one, but two economic busts. That war is good for business. 
And so he warns, and he says, be careful of the military-industrial complex. In fact, what he mentions, because military-industrial complex, everyone looks at that as though that is a conspiracy. That is not a conspiracy, okay? It's not a conspiracy theory. When you add in the word complex, a complex, in the terms that Eisenhower was using, was not denoting a conspiracy, what it was denoting was the military and industry both having a standalone complex form of goals. They are both aiming for the same thing, and that's what the complex means. He, did, he, didn't say, he didn't say military-industrial conspiracy. He didn't say military-industrial compact. He said military-industrial complex meaning that the complex of organizations that represent military function and industrial productivity will eventually have their their goals aligned in such a way that the military will do better during a time of war and industry will do better during a time of war and so the two of them together though independent have the shared goal of fomenting war for their benefit he mentioned also an intelligence complex a security state complex a medical industrial in a medicine industrial complex a science industrial complex. He mentioned, be careful about these standalones that happen to be that happen to have their goals align in such a way that they will begin to sort of mesh and form together into one sort of play-doh-like blob. Until you get enough of those standalones that are meshed together and molded together like that play that play-doh blob, until you have enough play-doh to make the Washington Monument. Now you have something you have to contend with because now you have a pillar of your society. You no longer have an industry, a military, a scientific a scientific sector and the pertinent industrial sectors, an intelligence sector plus the industrial sector that, co that combines with it. You now no longer have all of these individual organizations that can be reminded that they have a function to perform for the people that they serve, you now have a monolith, which will eventually become a megalith, that you will then actually no longer be depend. You will no longer actually govern and control their service for you. You will now be imminently and irrevocably dependent upon them. He wasn't talking about a conspiracy. He was talking about a situation. A situation when causes align. He predicted successfully what we are going through today. Because he saw it, and it only took him seeing it twice before he noticed that it was going to happen a third time. The problem is... Eisenhower was a military man, so he was, and to be a general, you have to be at least somewhat political, but he was a military man first. 
which is not the case for most of the House and the Senate. Politicians are vampires. They're fleas. They're leeches. In a nutshell, they're bloodsuckers. They will feign and pretend to be doing you a favor while they do what's best for them. And if fomenting and continually continuing to feed and, and form and encourage a military industrial complex, a science industrial complex, a, an intelligence industrial complex, etc., if it is in their best interests to generate as much profit for all of these sectors so that they get more and more kickbacks, so that they know where to put their money vis-a-vis -vis Nancy Pelosi, then what ends up happening is they're going to do what they're supposed to do because they like the power. These aren't people who examine their lives thoroughly enough to co contemplate their own demise. These are people who saw what was in front of them, saw the opportunity in front of them, and they seized it knowing full well in the beginning that maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. But now they have all the power, so they think. The problem is, is that if they let go, the smart money is to let go and write a book. This is what we did, and this is how blah, blah, blah. Karl Rove wrote a book. He's still trying to be an influence, but he wrote a book, and he made money off the book. George Bush wrote a book, and he made money off the book. Barack Obama wrote, what, three, four fantasy novels about his own life? Dreams of my father? Oh, whatever, who cares? They did something that they could conceivably hide what it is that they've done. You know, they could conceal it, but with book sales. Not everybody has that. And eventually, like some people, I legitimately believe that John McCain convinced himself that he was right for the country. I don't believe that John McCain was a particularly good pilot, and that's why he got shot down, and that's why he got apprehended. Because if he was a good pilot, maybe he would have came home. Maybe he would have finished his tour and come home like, every, like most of the other pilots. Oh, but he's a hero. No, he was a prisoner. And I'm reasonably convinced that they broke him in that POW camp. They didn't torment, torment and torture him too much because, of course, he was a princeling also. But I do believe that they that, that condition, that that whole sequence of his life actually broke him. Because he never rose to prominence until he was half vegetable. Until he was walking around the Senate looking like a broken, blanched piece of broccoli. 
And then he had the audacity to run for president. <clears throat> you know why this country doesn't elect war heroes? It's because we don't trust war heroes. We like underdog stories. Yeah, that's cool. That's fine. But we don't trust war heroes. And I haven't quite been able to figure out why. Because it's not like military men were portrayed particularly negatively in Hollywood. They didn't seem to be, to me at least. They just, I don't know, we just don't trust them. And I would argue rightly so to some degree. I mean, Dan Crenshaw has been the biggest disappointment of any polit like of any of any and every other politician that I've ever seen play the game. Dan Crenshaw has been the singular disappointment. <clears throat> I he has been such a disappointment thus far that I refuse to give him credit for anything good he actually does. And I assume that he does it on accident. I will never support Dan Crenshaw. I don't care what he I don't care what it is he decides to do with his political future. I don't care. He has been an utter disappointment in the one thing that I believed he would have had the most cognizance over and he disappointed in that and so I don't care if he becomes the most pro-life advocate on the face of the earth I don't care I don't care if he advocates I don't care if he advocates for establishing a Francoist government in these United States I don't care he will not ever get my support on anything. I don't care how good it is. We seem to think <laughs> we seem to think that the victors didn't write the history books. Oh, they did. They're the very people that we're fighting now. They're the ones who wrote the history books. They're the ones who spit at you with this BS that sounds great. But it's BS. It's not a swinging pen pendulum. It's the difference between pushing your foot on the accelerator on the highway to hell or pressing the brake. Either way, you're going to hell. It's just a matter how fast. Because none of them have said we need to put the car in reverse. Not one. Not one of them has said we need to take the keys out of the ignition, turn off the car, and get out of the car. Not one. Maybe we get out of the car, we look at the car, and we examine. Is this really the car for us? Nobody's talking about that. Why is this such a good car? Well, for most of them, it's because they were able to put the top down and drive as fast as they want. And it doesn't matter that we're about to Thelma and Louise off the cliff. We're going to have a great ride all the way down. And that...
to one degree or other, that's what every politician is there for. They don't care that we're going off the cliff. They don't care that at the bottom of that cliff is Gehenna. They don't care. They want to enjoy it now. And for the most part, here's the really wild thing. You know the most disconcerting thing? These politicians that are holding on with a death grip to power, they're not even handing the reins off to their kids. Where's Diane Feinstein's kid? Is he or she going into politics? No. I mean, we know that McCain's kid ended up on The View. Because, I mean, she is a harpy. So, why not? I would respect generational politics. But Chelsea Clinton can't run for any office until her mom dies. Because Bill is good. He'd sit, kick back. You know, he made it to the White House. He's good. He's good. Might actually do better if he'd had more than just a daughter. But whatever. These people that are holding on with a death grip for power. And here's the thing. Like... I know when you say, oh, but the last thing we need is another dynasty. Is that actually true, realistically speaking? I mean, come on. If you're listening to this podcast, you're Catholic. What is monarchy? It's hierarchical, obviously. But it's also hereditary. Several generations of public servants, and eventually one of them is going to get it right. I mean, we're right on the cusp of not having to worry about elections anymore because this whole thing has just gone to pot. And we don't have anybody who can step in and actually hold, hold down the fort for several years. And maybe we should have thought of that. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I'm still reasonably convinced. <laughs> I'm still reasonably convinced that it's pretty much over for us. But we had an opportunity at it. We really did. We could have done something right. But we didn't. So, <laughs> here's to the end of the country. Like I said, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Rest in peace, America. It is, in fact, all your fault. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.